What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. It is our Power to the Pod episode this week, our daily show, weekly fan mailbag. You are in control of all of the talking points pertaining to your Miami Dolphins. So let's go ahead and dive into this fan mailbag here on Power to the Pot. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is the uh, Wednesday afternoon slash Thursday episode of the show. Here, I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And uh, we're diving into the mailbag episode today. It's power to the pod, it's everything that you want to talk about, all the things that are on your mind. And, of course, we have a lot of flux with the Dolphins here. The change uh, down to a 53-man roster. Uh, we're waiting. The, the, the waiver claims came out. Uh, we did not get any waiver claims from the Miami Dolphins. We heard Chris Greer uh, mention that he would be looking at the waiver wire as it pertained to both particularly the offensive line and the cornerback position. Uh, we got no traction there, so we're no closer, which means we'll probably be undergoing either a trade or a street free agent signing for the Dolphins as they look to bolster a couple of different spots on the line. But as we wait, we wait for the dust to settle. We're going to go ahead and, and do power to the pod here on this Wednesday afternoon slash evening slash Thursday episode of the show. You're getting at least six this week. I mean, we're, we're, we're in the weeds amidst the Dolphins offseason transition to an active 53 man roster. And there will certainly be dust that settles as a result, and looking forward to getting into the weeds with all of that. But since we didn't get the kind of traction that I was expecting maybe we would see throughout the course of the last 24 hours, we're going to go ahead and do Power to the Pod, which means it's all the things that you want to talk about. we got a bunch of reviews left on the show. We have a bunch of questions that were submitted. We're going to dive into as many of them as we can here on today's episode, starting with one from a five-star review from Eric. And it is five stars. Um, no question, no question, but, um, uh, an acknowledgement of the late senior VP of communication, community affairs, uh, Jason Jenkins, excellent job. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the continued aftermath of the news of Jason Jenkins is passing for the dolphins. Um, you continue to see just how important he was to so many people, uh, including, uh, we saw general manager Chris Greer get a little choked up at the end of the press availability earlier this week um, in the midst of him thanking the media for uh, all of the work that they had done to honoring Jason's work. So, you know, that uh, that story is just one that weighs heavy on my heart as this week continues forward. And I know there's a lot of people that feel the same. So please continue to keep his family and loved ones in, in your thoughts as we push forward. But uh We'll, we'll keep the show moving forward here on Power to the Pod with our next question, which comes from Marcellus. Uh, Kyle, happy National Cheetahs loose, loose in South Florida Day to you, said in my best Joe Marino voice. With a new head coach, how do you balance getting the offense practical game reps in the preseason without showing your hand too much? The easy part is not running your more exotic and trick plays, but what constitutes the vanilla plays that you can freely run and what is a more advanced concept that you would be more inclined to keep a secret? Okay, so this is this is a fun question. 
I think what this comes back to for me is I think about, you know, the way that I have come to learn the game and the way that I view the game now versus the way that I, I viewed the game when I first started. Um, it's more about you are going to have your concept, core concepts, that just based on the talent and the skills of the players that you have at your disposal, you're naturally going to run. You're going to run them several times a game. And they're going to have complementary plays that are built off of those. So it's not getting too into the weeds uh, with the layers upon layers of the same concept. And you kind of show a little bit of everything. But And this is where I think this offense has the, the chance to be really different than what we've had in recent years. It's more of the how many different ways can you get to the same concepts? How many different personnel groupings? How many different formations? How many different shifts and motions? Um, how many different game situations, areas of the field? And I'll use this as the example, right? Um, and I believe Alabama calls the concept spear, or at least they did under Sarkeesian. But the first play of the game is a vertical uh, post, skinny post uh, to Tyreek Hill that Tua Tungvaloa hits over the top against the Eagles. Uh, that also included uh, a crosser a deep crosser across the middle which i believe was run by trent Sherfield, and then coming out of the backfield you had a delayed chip release from a tight end so you had skinny post deep crosser shallow underneath it's that three level vertical and horizontal stretch that we're talking about you go up over the top you hit that concept the dolphins go quick to the line on their next play and you know what they ran with the same personnel because they went hurry up uh, different assignments, different groupings. They ran the same concept of routes where you had a vertical release, this time by, I believe it was Durham Smythe, to lift the top off the defense. From the other side of the field, you had Tyreek Hill now running the deep crosser, but it's more condensed because you're down in, in just outside of the red zone as compared to being on your own side of the field and having unlimited, unlimited space to work with. And then you had Trent Sherfield running the shallow release. So on both of the first two plays, the Dolphins ran vertical stretch, deep crosser, some kind of split flow motion releasing out into the flat, right? And that's just an example. So then you, you have those things, but those things are still the identity of your offense. Like it's, a, it's a core staple concept of this offense. New England knows it, Baltimore knows it, Buffalo knows it, but how many different ways can you get there and how many different ways can you get it to look like something else? So I don't have a problem with running effectively anything that could be your core concepts. Wide zone is going to be core concept. Uh, backside counter, wrap, wrap counter is going to be a, a core concept. Looks like trap is going to have a, a, a long trap is going to have a pretty good way to live in the Dolphins offense with the pulling guards. But how many different ways can you show it? How many different personnel groupings can you get out there to do the exact same thing? And how can you manipulate that based on how they're going to play? you? And what kind of checks are you going to put in on any given week to have this play called at the line? And that's an important part of this, this offense too. You're going to go up to the line. You're going to have two plays, right? You're going to have your can-can, your can-call, your kill-kill call. And you're going to get up to the line, and we know what the play is called. And depending on the front, if they're rolling the safety down to the backside, or if they're going to run an under front, all these other things, you're going to get up to the line of scrimmage. You're going to look at it and say, okay, I know what my core rules are for this play to work. Um, 
we're minus numbers to the play side. We're going to have to get into the, we're going to have to get into a different play. Kill, 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 kill. Your second play is your counter to when they take that away from you. So you're naturally going to have a lot more opportunities in this offense to account for when you put a certain personnel grouping out there and they try to take away that concept. It's going to be naturally built in at the line of scrimmage. Hey, I got a second call in our back pocket that if they take this away, then we're going to stay in the same formation and we're going to do this instead. I think that's a really good advantage um, for this offense. And it, it prevents you from doing that thing that you're worried about, about showing too much. Oh, you'll run the core concept. It's the little wrinkles. And then it's also having multiple answers at the line of scrimmage that will prevent you from getting too boxed in. Before we go any further, it's almost the start of the NFL season. If you're into sports betting or fantasy, you needed a competitive edge to win. That's why I highly recommend the Elias Game Plan app. It's the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for NFL, NBA, and MLB. The Elias Game Plan app is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats, the Elias Sports Bureau. The official statisticians of U.S. Pro Sports Leagues, including the NFL, their app lets you access team and player stats, head-to-head team comparisons, and Elias insights from Elias Sports Bureau's research team. This app is your really your one-stop shop for player news, expert game analysis. It's perfect for the preseason. It gets you your player previews to help you get a winning fantasy team and team previews so you know what to expect as the season kicks off. NFL season is right around the corner, so don't wait. Download the Elias Game Plan app today. And right now, I have a special offer when you subscribe. Get a 14-day free trial off a monthly subscription plan, but only if you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find the Elias Game Plan sports betting app in the App Store or Play Store today and use promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Our next question comes from FinsUpW. Kyle was absolutely having a blast watching the offense do work. Obviously, being a Dolphins fan, you don't get this pleasure of watching such a smooth offensive performance. So if you don't mind, I'm going to double dip. In this last preseason game, do you feel like we showed too much of the offense before week one? No, I do not. Uh, And can Skylar Thompson be the real deal? Watching him rip it up makes me jealous of the one thing Tua doesn't really have. I would hate to miss out on the elite talent just to make Tua get a shot. Tom Brady won 99th overall, so draft status doesn't mean much to me. And it shouldn't. Uh, But I think there's, there's a really good, and I have sung the praises of this individual on this podcast before, and he has made me a much smarter football analyst. Uh, But J.T. O'Sullivan of the QB school. And it's really neat what he does with his Patreon uh, community that he has built, in which he goes into game tape and he takes your questions and he creates videos and offers insights. He's, he's played in NFL Europe. He played in the NFL. He was professional quarterback for about 10 years, right? He, he's very, very well-versed in a lot of different offensive systems. He understands the concepts, but he also understands the vocabulary. And uh, then he's gone on to coach himself at the high school level and put in his own offense, and he's one of the highest football IQ individuals that I've come across in any space. And he did a video breaking down every pass attempt from Skylar Thompson in week two of the preseason. And then as soon as I finished watching that and complimenting that, he put out a Tua Tungavaloa in week three recap of all of what he did. And what really stood out to me, and I'm, I'm not going to give too much of it away out of respect for JT and the work that he does and, and strongly encourage you guys to check it out. 
but Skyler is more um, running off of raw instinct than he is polish and deliberate intent right now. And, and I think you could describe Skyler amidst the successes that he has. And I do not say this to be dismissive of Skylar Thompson. He's been phenomenal in the preseason, especially with the expectations of being a seventh round draft pick. But he is rough around the edges. And I'm glad that the Dolphins found a way to make the 53-man roster work. Uh, but there are a lot of little things about playing the position that make the play fakes work, that include the ball placement, that include um, where and how you're diagnosing and getting to certain routes with your eyes and processing your keys and um, diagnosing pre-snap and procedural stuff. That Skylar Thompson, as he continues to get better, you get really excited about what it can look like. But there's no question right now that Tua Tungvalu should be the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins based on all of the little things at the position. Now, you get really excited about what Skyler's shown as an instinctual player. So let's give him some time. Let's keep him on the roster, which they did, and let him grow as a football player and see how it works out and let the chips fall where they may. And hopefully Tua plays at a level in which we never have to entertain playing somebody else as a starting quarterback. I would love it. I would love it so much. It's not guaranteed to happen, but you've done yourself the best that you can by guaranteeing that Skylar Thompson is going to be here and letting the chips fall where they may. But there is a lot of development that needs to happen there. I'm excited to see what it looks like because he's obviously shown a lot of promise, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's anywhere in a position right now for us to say that he needs to be the starting quarterback or should be the starting quarterback. Uh, that, that's off a very small sample size against uh, a, a lot of very vanilla approach to the game of football. Uh, KV with our next question. Tanner Connor equals Mike Gasek light. Love the show. Look forward to every episode. I've learned more about football here than any other source that I've used in 61 years. Wow. Thank you. Sincerely. Thank you very much. And I'm glad you're listening and I'm glad that you find this to be an enjoyable experience and something that helps you uh, enjoy the game that we all have the, this love and passion for in a new way. Nothing against the man, but why Tanner Connor? Great athlete, but do we really need another 230-pound tight end? Isn't he just a raw version of Mike Isecki? I hope both Tanner and Mike do well in football and life, but they don't seem to fit the current scheme. Thoughts? So here's what you will get with Tanner Connor that I don't think you will ever get with Mike Isecki, and that's special teams play. And I know we don't, Oh, boy, Kyle's back on the soapbox about special teams. I get it. I get it. But um, this is one of those ones where you don't have the same obligation for protection of this player than what you would from a player who was drafted in the top 50 to play tight end for you and is a prominent target in your passing game. Tanner Connor, with his height, weight, speed, and having a lot to prove, and coming in with a chip on his shoulder and needing to grow as a player, I certainly think from a special teams perspective, he is going to move the needle for this team. Um, and then there is the developmental upside. And it seems as though kind of searching for a developmental player is a point of emphasis. So Tanner Connor, I'm, I'm as surprised as you all are that he made the 53. And we'll see if he gets dashed on IR. It doesn't sound like it based on hearing what uh, from Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer. Um, 
But this offense is very much here, here's where we'll come back. This offense is about mismatch players and creating mismatches in general. And you've got all the speed and you got some size. And this is a player that has both. And that, as it grows, can have the opportunity to be something that is a, a dynamic uh, subplot uh, of land, a, a, a dynamic, unique player. And I think that's what this is about um, with a player who it sounds like had some momentum to potentially get a look elsewhere from a special teams perspective. So I, I think that's the difference for why Tanner Connor got the prioritization that he did when the team cut down the active roster. Alaska Finn fan with our next question. Really appreciate your capacity to talk specifics and general big picture elements. I also love your focus on process. I am in an island, so to speak, in Alaska. So thank you for creating a community around the team that I've loved for five decades. I have a question. Thank you for listening. I know this is layered, but can you offer your insights on how the Dolphins might look different if Flores was still at the helm. Oh, boy. Oh, man, that's a tough question. <laughs> if Flores was still here, uh, I have a feeling that Tua Tungvaloa would probably not be the quarterback of the team. And what's tough about that from a predicting the rest of what it looks like standpoint is you really, there was this whole order of operations of things that were going to have to happen, right? You were going to have to fire the OC because it was bad. And then you're going to have to replace the OC with your fifth in four years, but you weren't going to be able to hire an OC with a lot of confidence and the selling point to come in would be, well, we're changing quarterbacks. Well, you can't change quarterbacks until the league year starts at a minimum. So with that in mind, you're going to hire somebody with a promise that we're going to get a new QB two or three months from now without actively being able to do it from a pipeline that, as we knew last year, was exhausted. Um, I think your offensive line ideology uh, probably continues with some of the uh, vertical run game as compared to the wide zone that we have now. I think Brian Flores probably would have banked on a different quarterback that he had more trust in to create a more diverse playbook and, and set of concepts to utilize. But I certainly think if Brian Flores was still here, uh, Tua Tungvalu would not be. And I think that that's really when I start that process, and there's a lot of layers there to get into, uh, that's the first and only place that my head goes that I can say definitively I would have confidence in saying. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive under the influence? What's the worst that could happen? Drive up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow down big time when you are high. You're not only a danger to yourself, but everyone around you Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. Our next question. Oh, Erbski, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text Travis and tell on you, to be honest. Love the podcast when it was Travis. Love it even more with you. 
Keep having Joe Rose on. Have you reached out to other ex-Dolphins players that are active on radio podcast following to the team to get their perspective? Examples being Kimbo Camper, Channing Crowder, OJ McDuffie. I would love to hear from you guys on players, ex-players, media members that you think are worthwhile additions to the dynamics that I have built on this show. Um, I, I love the community that Locked On Dolphins has created, and I would love for you all to have a voice in who we want to share uh, the platform with that you feel I could really uh, perhaps bring out a different dynamic of me as a host or create compelling conversations that you would be interested in hearing. So give me some names, let me hear them, and uh, we will go from there. And I will do my best to get the ones that I hear the most from all of you here on the show. Things Mike did with a review. The Jets have gotten a lot of praise for the top of their 2022 draft class. I think the top of Miami's 2021 class was better. So head-to-head, which of these guys would you rather have? Jalen Waddell or Garrett Wilson? Javon Holland or Sauce Gardner? Jalen Phillips or Jermaine Johnson? Okay, so I'm going to be completely objective. Okay. I had Jalen Waddell graded higher than Garrett Wilson. Jalen Waddell was a top eight player for me, top five player for me. Six, maybe six. I think he was sixth on my overall big board. Uh, Garrett Wilson, I liked. I had him in the, the late teens. Uh, Javon Holland or Sauce Gardner? I had Sauce Gardner as my CB1. Javon Holland was my safety two behind uh, the Raiders is Trayvon Morg when he came out. Uh, Javon has certainly outplayed the expectations. I sold him short, and I will not be afraid to admit that. But I liked him as a player. I had him, I think, in the, the 40s. And, of course, Miami got him uh, within the first couple of picks of the second round. Uh, Sauce Gardner. But I do think it is worth acknowledging that I do think Javon Holland was a better fit for the Dolphins than what Sauce Gardner is as a player. Sauce, I think, is much more of a cover three Bail Tech, half turn, that Seattle Seahawks style kind of player where Miami plays more man to man. And I don't necessarily know that Sauce is going to translate well, at least early on, to covering the Jalen Waddles and the Tyreek Hills and the Stefan Diggs of the world. And then I had Jalen Phillips as a top 10 player, and Jermaine Johnson was a top uh, 15 to 20 player for me. Uh, so I would, and again, I just told you what all my rankings were for all the players. Two out of the three players I had the Dolphins pick rated higher. And um, Waddle and Phillips were both top 10 players for me from that 2021 class. So I would also rather have the Dolphins. And you especially feel even better about that, having a year under your belt and seeing what all those players are uh, initially. So that's obviously very exciting. Our next question comes from Chad. I want to get your thoughts on which players the Dolphins might add after roster cutdowns across the league. I understand I'm kind of asking you to predict the future. But we still have depth needs at O-line, corner, and linebacker. I think they're going to feel as though they're good at linebacker. I genuinely do. Uh, at corner, Chris Greer kind of downplayed publicly the, the urgency there. I don't know if that's because they feel good about need of it outside and what they have stepping into the slot, whether it's Eric Rowe or whether it is Cater uh, Kohu or anybody else. It does sound like they're going to add an offensive lineman um, in some capacity. Justin Skule 
I believe his name is uh, San Francisco 49ers utility offensive lineman is one to watch. He started uh, double digit games the last few years for San Francisco. I think Skule is a name to watch. He passed through waivers uh, and then corner would not be surprised if it is a prominent outside corner, you know, a Joe Hayden type. I certainly think Miami could downplay the urgency there to help them in negotiations in a contract. So those are skewed at offensive line as a utility player and, and Joe Hayden, I think are two names that I would point to and say, let's, let's not be surprised if they go that direction. We'll see if, if my uh, future predicting is accurate or not. Uh, C Fantasky. Longtime listeners here. Love the show and love the way you're able to speak to those with all levels of football knowledge and understanding. Question. Speaking strictly to on-field factors, what do you need to see from the team this year to solidify Coach McDaniel as an upgrade to Flores outside of just wins and playoffs? Run the ball. Run the ball. And run the ball well. And I know some of that is personnel related, but a lot of that is also scheme and concept related. And the Dolphins, when they become so RPO dependent last year, the way that you counteract that to be able to throw the ball is you tell your offensive lineman to only block the first level of the defense, which means you're not getting any bodies on the linebackers. You're getting nothing on the second level of the defense. How can you counter that? The wide zone stuff you're getting a lot more movement, a lot more displacement. I just need to see good scheme, and I need to see reasons why things are being put together. And I think we have that already in the preseason. So we're off to a really good start. He's got to keep this team united. He's got to have good scheme on the offensive side of the ball, and the team's got to stay balanced. The, the team has to be more balanced. I'd love to see him start faster than one and four, two, or one and three, or whatever. So... That's kind of what I'm looking for. Our next question comes from Finkel. Is it just me or does Cameron Good look really good? I'm not saying he's going to be a star right away or even ever, but he moves really well and looks really long. I don't think he will only be a pass rusher either. I think he's fine as a stack back or two eventually. Uh, I would agree that, that Cameron Good played above expectations in the preseason. I think that's very exciting. Uh, we obviously, at this point in time, it's it's 3.21 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, we haven't had the practice squad signings and announcements finalized at this point. But um, Cameron Good's a player I certainly hope lands on the practice squad and you have a chance to potentially see as a practice squad elevation on game days. Our last question comes from Big E. 561. Kyle, great job with the show. Look forward to listening to you all season long. Your podcast is appointment listening, bless you. Kyle, with the addition of Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson, and having Waddle, I find that having a bigger, slower pass-catching tight end like Gusecki obsolete, especially a tight end who can't run block well. McDaniel's offense is a timing offense that spreads the defense with speed. I don't see Gusecki on this roster when the season begins. What can we get for him? Something in the offensive line department, a second rounder? Thanks. Mike's going to have to earn it um, at this point with everything that has come and gone. And, and Chris Greer did say uh, yesterday during press availabilities and, and yesterday being Tuesday uh, that the team did field two phone calls. They did not make any phone calls, but they took two phone calls from teams that called and asked about Mike. And Chris said, I, as I say, I will always listen 
I would be doing my job a disservice if I didn't at least listen to what you had to say. Uh, but it sounds like Mike is going to be here. And it's going to require, in my mind, uh, a tightrope job by this coaching staff to find the right opportunities to play Mike. And in doing that, I think that is uh, in itself a challenge to justify the $11 million price tag that he carries this season as a player on the price tag. If you were to move him, I don't know that you would get a two from a contender, depending on how desperate they were. I think you're inclined to get a three, maybe a player and a late pick swap. If you wanted a pick swap, you could probably send a, a three and get a two back along with another late asset. We're at the point now where if Miami finds the right ways to get the blocking dynamics that they need, whether that's Alec Ingold or somebody else, he's probably more valuable to you for this season uh, than what he would be in a trade, unless a team experiences some injuries and whatnot. So uh, I don't know about obsolete. I think he is a challenge. I think he's a challenging player to find the right opportunities for in this offense. And we'll see if the, the coaching staff is able to do that. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it. Fins up, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. As I said, we got at least six this week. So looking forward uh, to what else the week brings. So hit subscribe and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.